This is Miss Waters reading A Bridge Home, Chapter 16, titled The Blue Hills. The next morning, you took off down the far side of the bridge as we prepared for work. No, Ruku, I said. We have to go to the Himalayas, and there this way. You crossed your arms over your chest and stood where you were. Actually, we don't have to do anything, Arul said. The best part of life is we can go wherever we want. We can go the way, that way today, Ruku. You beamed at him. In fact, it's best not to climb the Himalayas every day, Arul said. Even though they're huge, we need to wait until people add some new old stuff. Plus, explorers can't go to the same place all the time, Muthu added. It would get boring. We walked beyond the wide tree-lined avenues of the rich neighborhoods near the temple and the house where the gardener threw the orange at us, past smaller houses and shops where loudspeakers blared hit songs and reached the poorest section of the city I'd seen yet. Shanties built out of every imaginable scrap of waste, roofs of coconut thatcher, gunny sacks, walls cobbled together from metal signs, wooden crates, or even cardboard taped over with plastic sheets lined the narrow streets. Look, a rule cried, the beach. Sure enough, in the distance beyond the shanties past the long mound of rubbish, we could glimpse the sparkling blue ocean. We call this dump the, the Nil, Nilgiris, Muthu said, the blue hills. Nicer than the Himalayas, I said. The reflection of the ocean in the sky gave the rubbish a bluish gray tint, and the cool sea breeze made me like it better than the Himalayas although I was sure the trash here was just as nasty. Pretty. You stared at the waves before settling down on a wooden crate and starting your beadwork. Kuti lay at your feet and shut his eyes. A group of boys were already at work on the mound. Muthu and Arul ignored them and picked spots and got busy. But as soon as I reached for a bottle, one of the boys approached me. What do you think you're doing here? He looked about as young as Muthu, but his clothes were even more ragged. What does it look like I'm doing? I said, enjoying the view. You have to give me a third of whatever you collect here, he said. Who made you the tax collector? I asked. He spat right at me. Stop that. Muthu popped up between us. Leave my sister alone. Who are you to tell me what to do? The boy scowled at Muthu and waved a stick in my face. Stop it, Sridhar. An older boy with fuzz on his upper lip came up behind one, the one who threatened me. I won't let you stay with us if you start fights. Sullen-faced, the boy named Sridhar stepped away as Arul joined us. How are you, Kumar? Arul said to the fuzzy-lipped boy. Look, this is our place, Kumar replied. It's okay for you to come here, but you can't bring along every new kid in the city. Enough here for us all to share, Arul said. Yes, just look at the wealth spreading from sea to shore, Muthu waved his stick. Gray gold, I call it. We never acted like we owned the Himalayas, Arul said, and I showed you where it was. Kumar scowled, but didn't argue anymore. We all went back to work. After what felt like hours, my legs were coated with yellow and brown slime and my back was slick with sweat. A sense of hopelessness spread in my heart like the stains spreading on my skirt, stains that would never wash out. When I looked over at you, you were asleep. Your head was slumped on, onto Kuti. I was worried you hadn't had enough to drink. We need to take a break, I said. Kumar's gang is still working, Wufu said. Life isn't a competition, a rule followed my gaze. We have enough. Let's go. 
I was so glad to leave that I didn't bother trying to retrieve my slippers, one of which had been stuck anyway, the other torn off as I squelched out of the rubbish to where you sat. After all, the boys walked barefoot and it didn't bother them.